Welcome to the Sports Pro Podcast with Sports Pro Editor Owen Connolly, getting inside the sports industry and recording it on audio. Hi everyone and welcome to another Sports Pro Podcast, coming to you this time from the SoccerX Global Convention at Manchester Central. Uh, delighted to have with me, as I so often do, Adam Nelson. Hi Adam. Good afternoon. And back with us again is Matt Slater, the Press Association Chief Sports Reporter. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. How, how are you guys? You've, uh, you've been, we're going to be hearing a lot from you for the next 20 minutes or so because uh, I have not been at the Socrates Convention for, for quite as long as the two of you have, but it's been an event for a couple of days, Matt. Yeah, I, I've been to the last few of these. I, I, I'm struggling to think. I might have been to every single one they've had here in Manchester. If I've missed one, I've, I've missed one, if you know what I mean. Um, and I thought there was a bit of diminishing returns about these. I think they're very exciting, sort of the, the concept of a football conference once upon a time. Well, exciting to people like me, perhaps. Um, and they were good for a while, good guests. You, you know, you got proper debates and they'd throw up things that we would talk about for not just for a, a few days but maybe sometimes for weeks and months and the last few years that hasn't really been happening now I don't, I'm not suggesting that anything of that magnitude has happened these last few days but it's been better than previous years for sure I've, I've been working harder and I've heard more interesting things which we will discuss anon but yeah I think it's been a good few days a good uh, a farewell to Manchester for yeah. this event as well um, the which has been European convention host and latterly the, the global convention host but comes to the end of its term this year Adam your first soccer it's global yeah, convention first, first yeah what did you make of it um, yeah it's been good I mean as, as Matt says uh, the kind of um, controversy has maybe been dialed down it was notable today when uh, Javier Tebas was on the uh, president of La Liga his kind of fiery attitude towards life I suppose um, <laughs> shone through there's been some interesting stuff uh, that in particular um, I think got people got people talking mm. yeah I mean that Seems to be the the breakout story um, of of the event. Certainly today, uh, Neymar apparently Neymar's been peeing in a pool from a diving board or something. Someone needs to to fill yeah. me in on this. Could be a wonderful Spanish metaphor that I'm not aware of, but it's a good one and it makes sense. Um, look, this is a good story, I think, because it 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 broke somewhere else initially. On Monday, while we were all here, we we read that um, La Liga's president, Javier Tebas, had written to UEFA demanding, as he's kind of made pretty clear, he sort of signposted this pretty clearly, that he's very upset with PSG for their world record raid of Barcelona to, to sign uh, Neymar, uh, and he wants them to investigate under the financial fair play rules. Um, so we get to today, and we, in the meantime we've spoken to UEFA, is this true? We've spoken to Manchester City because they were thrown into the mix as well, um, you know, the two kind of bad boys of FFP. And um, so we get to today, and we're thinking, you know, where's he going to go here? Is he going to sort of ratchet it down? No, 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 no. He, he, he rocked up, and he didn't really need any questions. He was speaking in Spanish through David Garrido uh, from Sky Sports. He really didn't need anyone there. It was yeah. go. Three, two, one, Javier, go. And he went. And we got, yeah, 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 I've written to them. They've been gaming the system. They're destroying the football industry. Uh, if Nasser Al Khalifa wants to play Ronaldo and, and Messi, yeah, he'll just turn on the gas pumps. He can do it. Um, uh, City have been at it as well. Chelsea used to be at it, but they've calmed down. And that's the difference because Roman Abramovich is just an oligarch. He's not a state. And we got, it was just wonderful. Yeah. And then we got to the, 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 you know, my top line of my story uh, earlier. Um, PSG 
They're just laughing at the system. They're laughing at financial fair play. It's like we've caught them peeing in the swimming pool and Neymar is peeing off the diving board. Now, it's a picture that makes complete sense to me. It was, uh, it was, it was funny because obviously he talks very quickly, he's very passionate, and uh, the poor translator who we were listening to on our headsets was just, you could tell she was really struggling to keep up. She was getting breathless at points, and uh, he gave her no chance to catch up, so that was, that was good. Being, being from the diving board, I mean, it's quite a, quite a party they're having there. Um, but do you think, is, is this something that's coming to a head, FFP? Is it, it, I mean, we have a new president now at UEFA. It's obviously, a, it was a platiny baby, the FFP idea. He has something to say about Platini as well. So I warned you about Platini. (laughs) (laughs) But is everybody kind of, um, you know, staking their positions now on on what will probably be profound change or what might be profound change for FFP? Because what strikes me from the outside, and I have nothing to go on other than just an observer's perspective, is that PSG have been so open with how much money they're spending. They've not gone and made a deal. They've said, we are paying a buyout clause. It is publicly listed, and this is how much money we're spending on transfers. Are they trying to force a change, do you think? I mean, they're going to pretend that they're going to work their way around, but are they going to... Oh, look, absolutely. Look, ever since the summer, this has been the real story for me. Look, we've lived with financial fair play for, for quite some time. Now we've got our heads around it. In 2014, PSG and City and some other clubs, but those were the main two, were punished. You know, they, 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 they breached the rules. They overspent. Um, and they were fined and they had their squad restricted for the following season's uh, European club competition. Things seem to have settled down a little bit. Um, I think some of the clubs have been kind of working in the background saying, can we perhaps relax the rules a bit? We'd like to spend a bit more. Can we sort of tweak this? Can we tweak that? As you mentioned, we now got Platini out the door. It was very much his baby. He was really, really into this, this concept of fairness. He didn't, you know, financial doping, it was often referred to. Seferin's there now, Alexander Seferin. Of course, he is perceived to be a champion for smaller and medium-sized leagues. Now, we're, we're, that, that can be debated, but that he is perceived that way, largely because he's from Slovenia. Right now, he's saying the right things, but he's there to be tested, isn't he? Mm. Now, PSG, who've had lots of money for some time, as they are bankrolled by Qatar, haven't necessarily broken through yet, have they? In terms of Champions League success, they're doing pretty well in France, but they are upping the ante. Now, this summer they've upped the ante considerably. Now, what was quite interesting to me is, whilst this was all kicking off with Tebas, who were they unveiling today in Paris? There was a picture of Nasser El Khalifi with Mbappe, who. Is he on loan? Are they signing him? What's going on there? You know, it's, a, it's a deferred payment, basically. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's it's again quite quite bold. So we have this extravagant spending that I think even PSG's I don't know most one-eyed accountant will say they might struggle to, to match in terms of their uplift of revenue. You know, perhaps they can. I think the only way they can even anywhere get near that is to ask their existing Qatari sponsors to pay more. And are they already paying over the market rates? Tebas is saying yes. Now, that's the serious point he made today. We've analysed the accounts for five years. We've looked at their sponsorships, and they're earning more than Manchester United. That can't be right. That's financial yeah. doping. And the other, the other question that's come into it is whether BN Sports will now be encouraged to, to pay more for the broadcast who, rights. Who runs, who runs BN Sports? Yeah, you, I, I think we all know who runs BN Sports. <laughs> it's Nasser Al-Khalifa, for anyone who's, uh, who's not familiar at home. But the... Uh, yeah, the... the the question is whether they would be able to provide the uplift required and they could justify that by saying, oh, well, Neymar's playing now. But Canal Police are not going to be too happy about that and Altice are not going to be too happy about that if 
again, it's seen that uh, an artificially large rights fee is, changes hands um, in order to keep PSG going. Absolutely, and, and this is really what the debate is about. So we're going to have this. What we ordinarily we'd have now have this sort of year, two-year wait while we while we kind of wait to see what PSG are going to do. Are they going to come back with a bigger shirt sponsor, a naming rights deal for the stadium, whatever it might be, uh, a tour where they get top dollar for playing whoever in Shanghai, I don't know, probably more like Doho. Um, no, we're hitting fast forward. La Liga are calling it right now. Let's make a judgment right now because it's not good enough to wait a year, two years afterwards. Mm. They could have won the Champions League by then. They could have won two French titles by then. Their brand will be much bigger by then. And what about the victims? What about the clubs that they beat on the way to those titles? Let's have the round now. Mm. And that's what this is about. I think on the FFP thing, I'm... It was Platini's baby and it had a specific purpose under Platini, which was the idea was it protected clubs from overspending and going into bankruptcy. And at the moment, I'm not sure anyone's clear whether it's fit for purpose or what that purpose is. Um, whether it's intended to stop this financial doping that we're seeing going, coming in from, uh, as Tebas was saying, from state level. Um, so the kind of soft power exercise of Qatar pumping all this money into uh, PSG. Or whether it's there to stop... Uh, teams from, as I said, overpaying. There's, there's no kind of clear. Tebas clearly wants it to be one thing, and, and I think probably a lot of people within the football world want it to be that. Um, but actually, its intention is to stop um, kind of what happened to my club, Leeds United, where in the early 2000s they made a big gamble to get into the Champions League. It didn't pay off, and we haven't been in the Premier League since. Um, that's the kind of thing that Finnish Fair Play was intended to stop happening. Arguably, it has stopped that, but it maybe needs to go further, given what we heard today and what's been happening over the past few months. Yeah, and the, the devil's advocate's position would be as well, you know, if PSG is spending a lot of Qatar's money in the transfer market, that money is going to end up in the hands of other clubs who are going to spend that elsewhere. And, I mean, you know, the... It's uh, an the, effect, isn't it? Yeah. And this is, he made that point, look, the big clubs, the, the guys he really does consider to be big clubs, but he mentioned some of them, United, Bayern, Juve, Real, Barca, of course. What they then say to people like him and to Alexander Seferin at UEFA is, we need more money. Otherwise, PSG and Man City, with their oil and gas wealth, are going to come buy all our players. And it just causes and it's massive inflationary mm. effects, which upsets everybody. But I think Adam's absolutely right. Any discussion about financial fair play has to mention... It wasn't just about competitive balance. Because if it was, there are other ways you could do that. We then get into the whole debate about the US sports model. On the measure of did it cut debts, did it stop clubs owing the tax man a lot of money, I, th- I think I think you have to give them a bit of a pat on the back there. It, you know, the Portsmouth and the Leeds United, the Rangers, so on and so on and so on. We're seeing a lot fewer of those cases. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, we could go on and on and on. There's agents get involved as well, and the amount of money that leaves the game through uh, through agents' fees and so on um, is is another question. But there we go. The, the transfer system is burning while my Qatar gently weeps. Um, but to I've really shoehorned that in. <laughs> I? To uh, I I don't care. I had to get it out there before somebody else did. Um, let's 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 look at some of the other things that people have uh, have been talking about over these three days. Um, well, any other breakout stories, Matt? Well, well there are, I'll do one more Tebas one. Okay. There's probably going to sort of break after we record this. Does he? Does he? He's he's gone into a row with City. He's mm. gone into a row with City. I think most of his anger was focused at PSG for obvious reasons. But he kind of did talk about City, and and while that is slightly historic, there is a very live issue there. City are now. They now have bought half of Girona. And there's some interesting things around that deal to do with Pep Guardiola and his family. But they bought you know, half of our league club. 
and they have loaned this club five players. Now, Spain actually does have a sort of soft salary cap type system where the clubs sort of say, well, this is how much we earn, and the La Liga says to them, well, this is how much you can spend. You know, we, we know what your revenues are, and, you know, here's your budget. Girona rock up with five good young players that La Liga are saying, well, hold on a minute, how much do these guys cost? They cost nothing because they came from City Football Group partner Man City with no loan fee. Mm. Now, that's unusual for La Liga. There's clearly a competitive advantage for Girona and there's probably a competitive advantage down the line for City as well. And that's, that's another thing that's been coming because City have been buying up, well, I mean, Abu Dhabi have, but you know, under the aegis of, of City Football Group and buying up these teams around the world. And this is probably as close as they've come to teams that operate in the same sphere. But that, that has been yeah. on the horizon. Look, to, to tell the story as quickly as I can, Tebas has suggested they're cooking the books. Now, that was, he was speaking for a translator, uh, but he uh, so, so perhaps we need to be careful around that very loaded phrase. He clearly feels there's some manipulation going on here. Now, I understand that, that legal letters are being exchanged as we speak, as we speak now. So um, that, that, that one's quite an interesting story to follow. Uh, looking elsewhere, the other obvious highlight for me was rugby union, England rugby union coach Eddie Jones, who basically did half an hour of stand-up yesterday, <laughs> where he, he, he neatly observed the English as being very polite because they live on a small island and they have to be careful they might meet these people again, uh, to um, Georgians eat Japanese for breakfast and have beards at birth. Right. Um, but he still managed to beat them when he was Jap- you know, Japan coach by playing nine forwards and six backs and no one noticed. Um, and some other remarkable stuff, you know, it's just he was very, very, very funny. So, so <laughs> Tabas and Jones, in their own ways, rocked Soccer yeah. X. Yeah. Adam? Um, I, I actually uh, really enjoyed um, Philippe Mojo yesterday. Uh, he's the Secretary General of CONCACAF, um, and he was... Yeah, CONCACAF were hit very hard two years ago by the, um, was it was two years ago? Yeah, two years ago by the kind of uh, corruption investigation from the US Department of Justice. They lost their then president and their previous two presidents were also both arrested um he they seem to have turned a corner and he was talking about the way that they've done that looking at what other federations confederations have done so looking at uefa bringing in this league of nations system which is going to start from next year uh, replacing friendlies which he was saying is a good move for Concacaf because they've got a lot of probably even more so than europe a lot of smaller nations who don't play very much football at all and they want to find a way that their smaller countries are playing a lot more um, and he also mentioned uh, a potential further tie-up with Conmebol they hosted the um, Copa America Centenario last year which was played between the two confederations and maybe doing something more with them which I think would be an interesting way forward we haven't really seen much of that collaborations between continental federations so if that happened on a kind of long-term basis I think that would be an interesting move mm. yeah and it seems a natural move particularly you know as as South America will be looking at the US in particular as a, a fairly useful natural ally to be able to, to build up but there's always the, the sensation with governance stuff and you know we've seen it away from this conference this week with the events in Brazil with Carlos Nuzman being under uh, police investigation um, as part of an alleged IOC vote buying ring you know there, it's always a live issue isn't it there's always the sense that there might be something something that you can't put up behind you because it's happened and even if you are new to the organisation you're going to have to deal with the fallout at some point in, in the years ahead 
Absolutely. I mean, look, in terms of the, the big sports news elsewhere, that's 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 massive. I mean, that what started as a French criminal investigation into very clear bribery and corruption and wrongdoing at a international federation based in Monaco involving a family and their cronies is now. I mean, who knows where this is going next? So we've gone from the IWF and blackmail and burying of drugs tests to rigging the votes for the 2016 and 2020 Olympics. Pretty much every IWF World Championship from about, well, you know, they haven't got to London yet, but they're looking at 19 and they're looking at 2021. Now, some of these votes took place in 2009 and, and, and before. We are talking about guys who have run international federations, who are ISC members, large sums of money. This is this is huge, you know, and it's it's now we've got guys on the run in Senegal, we've got the Brazilian authorities, we've got that that whole topic of Rio 2016, all of those deals. The detail is is remarkable. If even half of these allegations are proven correct, global sports needs to have a long, hard look at itself. The people that it attracts, the way it polices itself, the way it regulates itself. It, it's, it's difficult to see how sport gets out of this, particularly if we remember FIFA, with the status quo. It's, it's very hard to see how that could happen. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because we had that piece on the website about a month ago, uh, looking back on Rio 2016 a year on and the kind of already semi-disastrous legacy from the, from the Olympics there. Um, and that needs quite a lot of revision already um, because this is on a completely different scale to White Elephant Stadiums uh, and all the rest. It's it's a disaster. Yeah, but it's all, all, you know, these things are all linked together somehow. The the IOC session, of course, is next week. That'll be fun. It, it will be fun, but uh, well, I don't know. Will it? I don't know. No, it won't be fun. Think it will. No, <laughs> it won't be objectively yeah. fun. But. I think the big thing to say there is that it's a, it's it's normally a big event, and it was it was one of my big events on the on the calendar. And I'm slightly upset because I've never been, and I'm now no longer going because it doesn't give you much points. The big decision, the main decision that these guys get to make at this particular gathering, has been made elsewhere, and you know they're not voting yeah. we're not going to get that big reveal the 2024 olympic games we know it's in it's in paris and not only that we know where the 2028 one is as well <laughs> so you know what what are we going to get i'm not you know yeah. I, probably for the best that they're not voting in yeah. in the circumstances yeah, the, the timing is <laughs> um, what is there an answer to that question what are we going to get next week uh. <laughs> well said what we'd like we'd like we'd like things like uh, a proper update on Russia. Will Russia be at the Winter Olympics? I don't think we're going to get that. I think we'd like to hear a bit more from back about how we're going to avoid the situation we've just had where loads of bids drop out. Are we going to have a serious conversation about making the Olympic Games more affordable? No. I don't think we're going to get that in public. Are we going to get a serious conversation about I don't know, the independent anti-doping authority and how we try and prevent the Russian scandal happening? I think those conversations, again, are happening behind closed doors. Are we going to get maybe some appointments to committees, um, some more athletes, representatives? I, you know, I genuinely don't know. We'll probably, get, we'll probably get lots about the Youth Olympics, some other Olympism, yes. I don't want to say nonsense, but Olympism thing. It's, it's going to be the most inconsequential congress uh, of living memory, which is a shame. Well, 
But here we are. We're we're in Manchester, so we'll we'll get back to the the topic at hand, which is the the convention that we've just been witnessing in the last couple of days. Adam, anything anything to add on uh, discussions that you've um, been taken by? Um, I was quite interested by the uh, transfer review uh, session that was. I think it was yesterday morning. Um, we were talking earlier, obviously, about uh, Qatari investment, and uh, but the, one of the interesting points that came out of that was that um, this report concluded that the reason that transfer fees are being inflated isn't because of uh, investment from states or oligarchs. It's actually because there's less of that now across the game. You look at, we mentioned Chelsea earlier, they're spending a lot less. Really, you look across the game and it's only City and PSG who are hugely investing, uh, hugely indulging in what you might term financial doping. So the reason that there's been such inflated transfer fees partly is Neymar and partly because that happened, but also it's partly because clubs are less willing to let their players go at a discounted rate or any kind of without getting any kind of premium so clubs are getting more money for players and having to spend more money for players and it snowballs and obviously that begins with a big transfer from money pumped in from outside the game um, but I just thought it was an interesting conclusion because we all obviously think we're still kind of stuck in a mindset of being in the Abramovich era mm. and to an extent we are but Abramovich hasn't really spent big money of his own for five, six years now. It's all been yeah. money that's been generated through the club's increased commercial revenue. And of course, the, the era that Abramovich may or may not have seen on the horizon, you know, he had varying reasons for getting involved in football club ownership, but the scale of investment by broadcasters is continues to grow uh, exponentially, um, not just in football, across the board. We had the IPL deal this week which had some interesting subplots to it. Star India taking the the whole lot for $2.5 billion, which is uh, more than twice as much as Sony paid for a 10-year deal um, in 2008. Um, but also Amazon bought an invitation to tender for that and didn't use it. They decided to sit it out and see how the process was going. Facebook, for the Indian uh, digital rights, bid $600 million. Um, so they're putting serious money on the table for the first time, admittedly for a competition which is probably driven by advertising more than by uh, people buying subscriptions and so on, which, which makes it a slightly different market. But these things are, are hovering for, for football as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's the challenge is to, to kind of keep, keep that money coming in, I guess, for these clubs. Well, the big date there, isn't it, is early next year when we're going to get the next domestic TV deal here in, uh, for Premier League. You know, the last one was, what, 70% uplift? Yeah. I think the one before was 70%, wasn't it? No one's talking in those terms. I think the most optimistic I'm hearing, you know, again, this is chatter here, is 45 40% would be a good result with potential upside from abroad, you know, that could perhaps fill that gap, you know, because they think that there's more upside for the foreign rights. Now, I think the, the, the great sort of white whale here, and you've talked about it with the cricket, is... When are Facebook, Amazon, etc., going to pile in? And uh, again, what I'm hearing here is they're talking about it, but no one really believes they're quite ready yet not to buy a package. They're interested in little one offs, little experiments, let's just see how this goes. They're not ready yet to put a serious bid on the table to take a great chunk of rights in the way that BT and Sky have. have. And that's, and that's why that's where we're going to get the next great big uplift. But you're absolutely right to, to bring it back to the financial fair play argument because, as you say, not only have Roman and, and Chelsea 
largely been complying with the FFP by... Well, they have been complying with the FFP because they are not spending ridiculous sums of money anymore and they're generating lots of cash. City feel exactly the same. Every good Premier League club is earning a lot of money. And also City sold £90 million worth of players. Yeah. They, they haven't got a financial fair play problem right now. Mm. Not at all. Um, it's, I mean, it's slightly astonishing, really, isn't it? We're constantly hearing about uh, a broadcast industry in semi-crisis with uh, figures dwindling. And yet, yeah, uh, we're hearing complaints that it's only going to go up by 30%, possibly, which is still an astonishing increase on... Was it was it £4.5 billion last time? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, And then they're, they're also confident that that shortfall in increase is going to be made up by the overseas rights. Um, it's, it's, just, it's kind of baffling that the broadcasters have seen... They, they, they're aware of this crisis and they're talking about it, but they see the way out of it as spending more and... and well, spending more, spending more on rights, rights. Yeah. but not necessarily on, on other parts of their business. Yeah. Um, right, well, we, we are going to have to leave it there and leave that question hanging in the air for future editions of this podcast and future editions of Soccer X, of which there is one, I believe, in Doha in December and one in China in April next year. Um, I'm sure they will keep you well informed of all of that. Um, reminder while I've got you of a couple of sports bar events coming up we've got the brand conference at Lord's Cricket Ground on the 28th of September and while we're on the topic of uh, broadcasters and uh, digital distribution and all the rest of it we've got the sports pro OTT conference co-hosted by the Olympic Channel in Madrid on the 29th and 30th of November so be sure to uh, to go to the relevant channels and find out more about those. Um, but I'm going to have to go and dash off to enjoy the wonders of the Virgin Pendolino train back to London. Um, so, the dubious, the dubious one of them. <laughs> I'll probably get sicker quicker than you will. Um, but thank you very much for listening. Thank you again to Matt Slater. Thank you. And to Adam Nelson. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.